in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Bill Lambeer is going to join us at 9 o'clock today. Uh, The WNBA schedule came out yesterday. The Las Vegas Aces will open the season on May 15th, and they'll do it in Seattle, a rematch of the WNBA Finals. They'll actually play their first two games in Seattle against the Seattle Storm. So not exactly an easy start for the Las Vegas Aces and their 2021 schedule. Now we'll see. Uh, we'll see how good they are right off the top, right? Um, two there, and then I think they come back against the Sparks on a Friday, if I'm not mistaken, for their home opener. So they're among, or they're the favorites to win it. Those two. So that'll be cool to see them uh, start right off. And uh, Mark Davis's tenure as owner. Oh, the Mark Davis tenure. By the way, I was a little interested that the WNBA. So the Aces schedule. They have five times this year where they will play the same team back-to-back in the same city. They start with the Storm, and then they do it four more times. So it's not the full NHL-type schedule where, like, almost every game is a part of a two- or a four-game series. Just right. a few of those this year. So I'm I'm curious, like, do you think the WNBA and other leagues might start doing that a lot more to reduce travel where hey, why don't you just stay in the same city for three or four days and play the same team back-to-back rather than take two flights to Seattle throughout the year? Yeah, I mean, and for the foreseeable future, I mean, I know things are opening up and people are starting to open up cities and we talked about Sislac and, and Vegas, but I could definitely see that. I think, like, leagues will go back, like you said yesterday, I think the NHL will go back to their regular leagues. Seattle comes in next year. St. Louis will go back. I think they'll do that, but in terms of scheduling... Yeah, I could see that, especially within your own division when you're not playing one-offs against other divisions, but you play your own division, you know, more than once. Just just because of what's, you know, because of COVID and variants, and if they think it keeps things safer and don't get these guys on planes the whole time, even though they they, they fly privately, uh, I could see them doing that. I could see them uh, going back-to-backs more. I'm out. Mark Cuban and Luka Doncic do not like the NBA's play-in games. Uh, Luka Doncic said earlier in the week, you play 72 games to get into the playoffs, then maybe you lose two in a row and you're out of the playoffs. So I don't see the point of that. Mark Cuban said, if we're going to be creative because of COVID, we should go straight up one through 20 and let the bottom four play in. This is the year particularly to do it since the 10 games cut from the normal schedule were in-conference games. So, hmm. Mavericks are complaining. Are they, Is it yeah. valid here? Well, I mean, I like Cuban a lot because I think he says what's on his mind. He says what a lot of people are thinking and they just don't want to say it. But every time you add games, it's for money and TV and, and to get more revenue and they just came off COVID and... I mean, I know why they're doing it. Um, I understand what he's saying, but, you know, I mean, it's it's professional sports. They're going to add games to make money or try to hope to make up revenue they lost. So he knows that as well. Like I said, I, you know, Doncic, I mean, win the games. You knew going into the season what it was. So to start talking about it now, uh, when you know what you're 40, 50 games in, I don't, I don't know how It's not going to hold any water. They're going to do it. So uh, I get what they're saying, but I also know why they, they added this play-in game. Um, much like the NSA tournament went to 68 and added play-in games and all that. It's for TV and money and to draw interest. 
Yeah, I don't have much of a problem because we're talking about the seven, eight, nine, yeah. and ten seeds Win the in game. in each yeah. the East and the West. So, like, we're not talking about. It's not like they're punishing a team who finished second in the East or second in the West right. that now could be out in two games. We're talking about the seven and eight seeds that would have normally been in a normal series. And how many times do seven and eight seeds win? almost never in the NBA. So I don't have a big problem with it. I think it's complaining just for the sake of complaining yeah. and how, I mean, yeah, if you're the seven or the eight seed, you might get a little screwed because you could be out sure. and not in an actual playoff series, whereas you normally would have been. But at the end of the day, seven or eight seeds are normally getting swept. So this actually makes it a little bit more exciting for the seven and eight seeds that they can actually win something and, and beat a team in advance in out of the play-in round. So. I don't put too much into their complaints. I do agree with Mark Cuban. They should probably go straight up 1-20 to 20 and get rid of the, the conferences when it comes to playoff seeding. That would be better. I think that would make it a better product. But outside of that, I don't, I don't put much into their complaints. So I'm absolutely with you on that. I've said it forever. I want the NBA to just seed it out, get rid of East and West, and seed the thing out. And, I, you know, I hear, like, travel, travel. These guys travel like five-star hotels and private planes. We're talking <laughs> about travel. I mean, we should all be lucky enough to travel as, as you know, professional sports teams do and what they're, you know, get off a plane and walk right into the bus and, you know, never go through, you know, the, you know, big-time security or anything. So, I, but I've always said that. I've always wanted the NBA to seed it out, get rid of East and West, and just have kind of a mini – whether it's Sweet 16 or 20 or whatever, just have a tournament and play it out. And they're not going to do that, but I would love them for them to do that. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> it wasn't me. And Anthony Edwards does not know who Alex Rodriguez is. So Anthony Edwards was the number one pick in the NBA draft uh, for the Timberwolves. And yesterday when he was asked about uh, his thoughts on Alex Rodriguez, Edwards said, I don't know who that is. I know he's going to be the owner, but I don't know anything about baseball. I believe it. Well, one, I think he was, I, he might not have heard the question because he's worried about getting his hair right because uh, he kept <laughs> fixing his hair. So maybe he didn't even hear the question, but um, I believe it. What's he, 20? How old's Anthony Edwards? I, I could absolutely see him not knowing who A-Rod is and not knowing anything about A-Rod. But one, if you're not a baseball fan or don't know anything about baseball, then I can see it. I could even see it if he was a baseball fan and being 20 years old will have never heard of A-Rod. He might have thought at the end of the day, he doesn't know who he is, but he might have thought, oh, that's the guy on TV on Sunday Night Baseball. I mean, that might have been his own, you know, um, education in terms of knowing who A-Rod was. So I totally bought this that he has no idea who A-Rod is. All right, Jared. So what sound do we have here? This is from before he was drafted and he was asked about baseball. Okay. I used to play baseball when I was young. Yeah, it'd be hot. Really? How good a baseball player were you? I could have went to the MLB. MLB? Yeah. I am not surprised. I'm, I'm serious, though. You no, I just, I love your confidence. I what positions pitcher. did you play? I played pitcher, shortstop, Next. third base, and center field. Those are the prime positions. That's what, that what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, you were the best player on your team. Is that the name? Now we talking. You could hit the ball. But I was... <laughs> <laughs> so if Anthony Edwards grew up playing baseball and thinks he could have gone to Major League Baseball, do you think he's now lying about not knowing who A-Rod is? No, he's he's 19. So he might have played as a kid, but I, you know, 19, 
is A-Rod a mid-40s by now, um, I absolutely think there's a chance he wouldn't know who A-Rod is. Okay. I, I absolutely think there's a chance. I, I just, all right. All I think is that he was messing with the interviewer, whatever. He was just like, yeah, I could have really? gone pro. <laughs> oh, that that interview. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is. He may not know he, anything you're, you're about baseball. To, you're being asked He just who named the every position, man. Is. He said, I mean, you're being asked who the new owner of your team is. Why would you say you don't know who he is if you do? Like, why, why would you say that? I mean, don't Listen. you kind of want to get off on a good foot there with like, yeah, I know who he is. I don't, I don't nope. think he had any idea who he was. He, he knows A-Rod's not the real owner. It's that other billionaire. A-Rod's just well. a figurehead. <laughs> that, that part's true. It would have been great if he says, I know exactly who Mark Loria is or whoever yes. the hell the billionaire is. <laughs> what do you think? UNLV's baseball game against uh, Arizona State has been canceled. They were supposed to play at Las Vegas Ballpark with fans uh, this week. But UNLV had a COVID-19 positive test, and they had to cancel that game, which is a bummer because they were it was going to be a, a fun-type game where they go to Las Vegas Ballpark and actually play in front of fans. Yeah, that stunk, man. We, we learned that earlier yesterday. Especially, man, they've won, they won six, seven, eight in a row. I mean, they're playing really well. They already beat ASU down there once. Uh, so I, this would have been cool. I kind of saw a different... Um, different numbers here that it had sold out over 3,000 but then I saw 1,600 so I don't really know how many fans are supposed to be there but it would have been great for them to have this you know against a ranked team the way as well as they're playing um to have this game but also you know you can't once a kid once a kid's positive and you start doing the tracing through an entire college baseball team they certainly weren't going to play next question Marcus Williams is transferring ah. from Wyoming. Marcus Williams was the freshman of the year in the Mountain West this last season. Uh, he averaged 14 points and four assists, but he is leaving Wyoming. I'm sure he will have lots of good offers. I feel a little bit bad for Wyoming because they had a really good player, even though they weren't very good last season, and he could have actually, like, they could have actually built something solid there. Yeah, I mean, I thought Jeff Linder did a good job, especially down the stretch with that team. If you saw him in the conference tournament in the last week of the season, you're like, boy, you know, I mean, I think Nevada and Colorado State are kind of be the teams that pick to win it next year by a lot of people. But Wyoming was one of those teams like they could get like top four if they play really well. I mean, they, you know, before this kid went in the quarter like that, Linder's on his way up there in terms of building something. But this hurts big time. Uh, he'll get high major offers for sure. I mean, he yeah. might, you know, there's no question he'll get he'll get power five offers. And that's probably where it go. I, I thought it was interesting this late, right? That he'd go on the portal at this point. Um, but, again, guys get in kids' ears. They see where other kids get to go. They see kids in their own conference going to high majors, all of that. And they start thinking, and their handlers, and the people around them saying, you're better than this level. So it's usually not a surprise, but it's bad news for Wyoming because he's a really good player. Yeah, I mean, he that's the type of player that if you're a Wyoming that you hope to land and then, okay, we can – we can like build our team for the yeah. next two years yeah. or so around this guy and try to make a run at a conference title. And he transfers out because he can go play somewhere better than Wyoming. Yeah. And now yeah. there, there's going to be more than likely stuck back in like the bottom three or four of the conference yeah. and not really be that competitive because if they don't have that, I mean, they had Larry Nance and uh, a couple year, a few years ago, and that was sort of the, the player they could build around. They thought they had another one and now he's gone. 
Man, you know, that's a great question. James Conner signed with the Arizona Cardinals, a one-year deal worth $1.75 million. So the Cardinals let Kenyon Drake walk in the offseason. Uh, they have Chase Edmonds left over, who was their sort of backup slash pass-catching running back last season. And now they've brought in James Conner. Um, what are the chances here that the Cardinals are going to get better running back play than Kenyon Drake would have given them and for a lot cheaper? Uh... Is James Conner a Joker? Is he a guy who's going to do a lot <laughs> no, no. of stuff? Because Chase, Chase Edmonds is the Joker. Chase Edmonds is oh, the Joker. They Chase have, they have the, the Joker. Joker already. Yeah. They Remember, we talked the Joker. Yeah. We talked uh, about it. The, the Cardinals last year, they threw to a running back a lot. Uh, it just wasn't Kenyon Drake. It was the okay. other guy there. So they already have a Joker. Now they have signed James Conner. If you're asking me who it's going to work out for better, you know, better, uh, Given the money and everything, I'm I'm going to say the Cardinals at this point, right? Uh, you spent a lot of money on Kenyon Drake. Uh, so yes. I'd say the Cardinals have the edge in that race right now, especially if you're telling me Chase Edmonds is a legit joker, which I think every team really needs to have. you got to have <laughs> a joker, you, Tyler. you got to have a joker. <laughs> what are you, John Gruden over here? Yes, I need <laughs> yes, I need three fullbacks, six tight ends, and a damn joker. Okay. The at some point, we need to go through every roster. Maybe after the draft is the time and just go, who's the Joker? And have you guys both make your list separately. And we see if you guys both can identify the Joker on the all 32 teams. Well, I was going to say, I don't think, like, look at the Super Bowl. The Buccaneers didn't have a Joker. No, Leonard Fournette was the one dropping yeah. passes out of the backfield. What are Does, you like, talking about? Rob Gronkowski's the Joker. He can block oh, and catch. <laughs> he can block That's a pretty big catch. Joker. That's a pretty oh. big joker. So, Jared, what you're saying is Jason Witten was really the joker? Oh. I mean, yes, he technically could block and catch, but he couldn't move. Well, you didn't say that. You did not say yeah. that All you right. had to move All to right. be the so, joker. So Rob Gronkowski could still move. <laughs> so being the joker, well, I'm going to say it's not important. We, we don't need, need a joker. stricter definition of what a joker is. How many people... Yeah, that's the thing. What's the definition? Because Rob Gronkowski might fit a lot of roles. He could actually be the only one in the league who's a joker with a bubble butt. Like, oh, there's not many people who can play the joker and also say, I have a bubble butt. I mean, that... that Now, now you... As, as Mayock said, now you got something. You got something yeah. there. How have the Raiders not found a joker with a bubble butt? That I is... Don't know. Stop. Oh, Stop. man. They're going to... They, they won't... They will not win a Super Bowl until they find a no. joker with Absolutely a bubble not. butt. All right, you've got a chance to win a thousand bucks and a two hundred and fifty dollar gift card to Raiders Image, thanks to the DeHart team and Nova Home Loans. Here's what we're doing: LVSportsNetwork.com. You predict the first seventeen picks of the NFL draft at LVSportsNetwork.com. If you can do that, you will be able to win a thousand bucks in cash and two hundred and fifty dollars in gift card to the Raider Image Store, thanks to the DeHart team and Nova Home Loans. So again lvsportsnetwork.com is the website pick the first 17 choices of the nfl draft and see how well you do hamilton down the right side gets stopped kicks it out to caleb grill catch and shoot three bingo caleb grill knocks down the three rebels three from four from long range and lead by nine 25 to 14. it's the press box with graney and bischoff on espn las vegas Well, I think it's safe to say that Caleb Grill did not enjoy his time in Las Vegas. Caleb Grill is transferring back to Iowa State. He spent one year here, 
with TJ Otzelberger, but he will be in Ames, Iowa with Otzelberger next season. But Grill talked to the Wichita Eagle. He's from Wichita, Kansas. And he gave this quote. I kind of want to get out of here. We don't really live in the nicest area of Vegas, and it's 18 hours away from home. The fan support out here is also brutal. I get ruthless direct messages from fans all the time that expect a little too much of us because they went to the Final Four in the 90s. They still expect that every year. People in general are just rude out here. So... UNLV fans uh, not handling their their players on their favorite team very well, apparently. No, so there's a lot to uh, dissect here. Now, the idea that this fan base is living in the past in the 90s is not breaking news. They, <laughs> the expectations of this program are absolutely ridiculous in 2021. Now, not to get to the NCAA tournament, I think those should be the expectations, but to be in Final Fours and to do all of that and expect that, in this day and age, it might happen, but that's silly to say, well, they must do that. Uh, and why aren't they doing that? Um, the big issue, and I was talking to Jared during the break, and I'm not surprised at this at all, because this is the Twitter tough guy world and the, you know, the email tough guy world who can say whatever they want and, and no repercussions, and they never say it to these people's faces. Is anyone, anyone who would direct message a student athlete with that kind of like negativity about, not, here's the other thing. Not only direct message him with positive things, do not direct message, if you don't know him personally, student-athletes, or really anybody. I shouldn't even say student-athletes. I say you, me, Jared, anybody. The direct message to people I have a big problem with, uh, it's over, that's stepping over a line. I'm just sorry. If, that, if you don't know him, if he's not your friend, you don't know him personally, why are you direct messaging kids about how his team's playing? Like, if that's what he said and that's what happened, um, and he gets ruthless direct messages, that's... I'm sorry, that's completely wrong and, and, and irresponsible of anyone to do that to a kid. Yeah, I uh, I have a pretty good habit of never sending a tweet that involves the Twitter handle of one of a of any college athletes. Right, and this is this is the reason why. Like you, like you shouldn't be tweeting at or direct messaging any players, college athletes. Like, you just should no. not be doing it. As you said, even if you're saying nice things to them. Yeah, you I, shouldn't. You, sh you shouldn't be doing it. Like, first off, the funny part of that is that it actually can be viewed as an NCAA violation if you're a booster and you're illegally mm -hmm. contacting one of the players. That's funny, actually, in, in a sense that it's against an NCAA rule or could be against an NCAA rule, not that they enforce that. But the other part is this. This is why. This is the problem that we run into in college athletics is that you have fans of these teams talking to 18, 19, 20-year-old kids like they ruined your entire life and blowing up on them. Now, I, I would say this. From the interactions I have with UNLV fans, most of them on Twitter I, I actually think are great fans, mainly because they're still following and paying attention to a team that hasn't been good in almost a decade now. Like I think most of the UNLV fans that I interact with are great fans, Right. There are some that are out there that I've seen, obviously, that suck. But I think for the most part, UNLV fans out there are good on Twitter. The problem is, is that it takes like one or two. And if one or two morons send something to Caleb Grill or any player that is anything in their DMs that is, you know, ruthless or however he wants to describe it, that ruins the reputation 
for the entire fan base. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the issue for UNLV fans right now is you have a you have a like the kid just played for the team. Like we're talking a month ago, he was still playing for UNLV basketball, and his his on the way out. That's how he feels about this program, and that's how he feels about this fan base. That's a brutal look for the rest of UNLV fans, and I don't know how much that type of thing would circulate amongst other players, but if I'm another player and I'm considering UNLV in another school, that could be plenty for me to go away from UNLV. Absolutely, and when he, like he says people in general are just rude out there. You know, I think even in general's kind of a broad scope here, you're painting a lot of people with the same brush, and I don't think that's fair. I'm with you on that. But this is like anything. It's always just a few. It's usually not the majority. I've been reading a lot of kids who are in the portal who have now made decisions, and you read the comments to these kids who are really just making a decision they bet they feel is best for their lives and their career, and the vile, disgusting, uh, negative comments back to kids from people who have no idea who they are, who have never met these kids, who have nothing to do with them, is just outrageously stupid in terms of people going after kids uh, that have nothing to do with their own lives. People in that instance, I told my wife, must be so angry and bitter about their own lives to go after kids in, in, in situations where it's none of their business, but that's the world we live in with social media. That's one of the worst parts by far of social media. So I feel bad for the kid here if he got those kind of direct messages. I guess I'm as or more interested in where they live because he says it's not the <laughs> nicest area. So I'm almost wondering, I kind of want him to say where he lives. That was actually interesting, of where UNLV basketball players are now living. Um, but it, it should never happen. You should never have a kid be able to give this kind of quote to a newspaper based on the experience he had, any, not just in Las Vegas, but really anywhere. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I'm trying to think, like, I can't remember another player leaving a program and saying that. Right, no, like I no. like, like it, that's that's something that's rare that you have a player leave, and and some players might leave, and they might not have enjoyed their time, and they might not have liked the coach, or they might not have enjoyed everything that happened there. But I, I can't remember the last time that I, I read a quote from a player leaving a school where that player basically trashed the fan base, basically said this fan base sucks, and that's yeah. what Caleb Grill did. Right, I. I don't know. I like. I, I can't. Ima- I haven't seen that happen, or don't remember that happening in recent times. And there's like 1,200 kids in the transfer portal, so it must have had quite an impact on Caleb Grill that he's one of the few players that would actually say something like that. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm sorry. This is UNLV basketball. They haven't done anything in forever. So, uh, can you imagine though when you hear this, what a kid like at Alabama football must deal with, or? I mean, think about it. Kentucky basketball. Can you imagine like DMs or the things kids at those levels at those kind of programs here? If Caleb Grill at UNLV is hearing that kind of stuff in his DMs. But you're right, because a lot of times even those kids who are very high level athletes at big time schools, like you don't see this a lot. Like you said, like, yeah, kids might think it and they might tell their family or their close friends or whatever. Hey, can you believe this guy DM me this or these hundreds of people to Alabama football because I'm leaving? But this is unique in that you don't usually read these kind of comments, like from anybody, you know, especially to a reporter. It's usually like, uh, you know, it wasn't the best fit for me. I'm, you know, I'm excited to be back at Iowa State, all of that. And then maybe internally he hated the fan base. But this was really interesting that he felt a need to say something when asked about UNLV. 
Yeah, and you're you're right on the comparison to Alabama football. Oh, can you imagine basketball. that? There's oh. there's like there's like 27 UNLV fans on Twitter. Yeah. And, oh, and God, they Kentucky had a, basketball. Yeah, oh. They had a bad impact on Grill. Imagine all of the fans that actually support oh. teams like Alabama yes. and Kentucky with thousands oh, that are just angry at things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean. UNLV basketball, like nobody paid attention to that team this year, no. and yet Caleb Grill still got hate messages. <laughs> like a team that's at, like Kentucky didn't make the NCAA tournament oh, this year. Yeah. I'd hate to be oh. in any of their players' DMs. Uh, can you imagine being a player in a Kentucky team that doesn't make the NCAA tournament, and your DMs are open? <laughs> and the other thing about I don't know, like he said his DM, so I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, he's talking about Twitter DMs, right? Like I don't know at that point if I'm at a high level school, I'd have that ability for people to DM me. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd have that open. I mean, he obviously did, but if I'm one of those kids at those other schools you mentioned, I, those things are closed down. I'm not, I'm not even opening those to have that stuff sent to me. No, no way. All right, coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Jason, how are you today? I'm doing spectacular. How are y'all doing? Good. Good. Um, you you tweeted out a little teaser, but what what more can you tell us about the interviews you've been doing uh, that are going to air during the NFL draft in a in a couple of weeks? Well, the uh, the draft, as everybody knows, takes place in Cleveland, and the stage has been built adjacent to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, you know, oh. a couple of years ago when the draft was in Nashville, I had the chance to talk to a bunch of my buddies from country music about you know, sort of life and football and country music and all those things. And uh, they decided to bring that back this year. So uh, I've been uh, – had the opportunity to talk to multiple Hall of Famers. So Def Leppard, Pon Jovi, um, Joan Jett, Shaka Khan, Earth, Wind & Fire. Like, we're basically going to, to legends that are in uh, the Hall of Fame and, and talking about sort of that process and what it takes to be a Hall of Famer and, you know, how to get to that next level, believing in yourself and – all the sort of things that tie into some of the stories that we'll be telling on draft day. So it's been cool to, to get the time to talk to legends. And I'll tell you guys, like, I am constantly stunned for all of the reputation that musicians have. The humility of Hall of Famers is really, it's jaw-dropping when you actually sit there and talk to them about the things they've accomplished but see how much context they have for it. It's been, it's been alarming for me and really a, a cool, like, dream-come-true moment. Will the NFL be mad that those are going to get much higher ratings than Jacksonville chooses Trevor Lawrence with the number one overall pick? Uh, well, I won't be, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of suspense at the top of the draft, but I will say this. One thing, like, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay one thing about that pick, particularly. I think Trevor Lawrence is generational. He's going to be an absolutely incredible quarterback. We're just bored with him. So, you know, like, we're bored with Jacksonville. We're bored with Trevor Lawrence. We are not going to be bored. Let me tell you. Like, some of the stories from just, like, hearing Def Leppard, like, hearing Joe Elliott talk about the fact that they were playing for 800 people in a club, and 18 months later, they were headlining in front of 55,000 people in San Diego. Wow. Like, that's the sort of moment that I just, uh, it gave me goosebumps hearing about. Far, that's going to be far more entertaining to me than the predictability of Trevor Lawrence and that bad hair. Of all the musicians you interviewed, which one was the biggest NFL fan? Um, well, I, I still have a couple to go, uh, but so far, Joan Jett, massive Packers fan, and uh, Richie Sampora, big, big, big uh, sports nut. So, and Richie, my first concert was Bon Jovi. It was a transcendent moment for me. I, I watched Richie Sampora on stage, little classical musician, and I said, that's cooler than what I do. So, like, it really changed my life. <laughs> but just the opportunity to talk to Richie is like, 
That's a, a dream guy. I don't really care about John. Uh, I'm just, you know, John, John's John. Uh, Richie <laughs> is like my hero in music. So, uh, the opportunity to talk to him is really cool. And also, Earth, Wind, and Fire, like, uh, funny that they all like the same teams, but they still seem to find a way to trash talk each other during Monday Night Football games. I'm not sure how that works. So, there's a lot of fandom. <laughs> what? Wait, they're fans of the same team, but trash talk each other? Yeah. I mean, they were like, they're all basically fans of because they live in LA. And so, they're they're Rams fans by default, and uh, but then also they all grew up liking the Cowboys. So I was like, so there's no trash talking. And they're like, no, we trash talk each other constantly. I'm like, about what? And they're like, well, there's a bunch of guys on a tour bus. We'll find something in a game to trash talk each other about. So this is fair. Didn't um, I know I'm right about this? Was it an arena team? What team did Bon Jovi own? That John Bon yeah, Jovi John owned? Yeah, John and Richie Philly, Philadelphia, Philly, right? Soul. Yeah, like yeah, um, yeah. They they were. Uh, Philly, Philly Soul owners, part of that ownership group. So, yeah, that's a, for sure something that Richie and John were both invested in, yeah. Um, more important than any of these interviews, uh, tell us everything you can tell us about Annabelle. Uh, well, I mean, she's only the most adorable, incredible dog in the entire history of the world. And, you know, I say that with <laughs> two other dogs in my life. Uh, no, uh, and for anyone that doesn't know, you know, like basically because ESPN is, in Connecticut, you know, but my life has been in Nashville for so many years. Uh, when I got the opportunity to go to ESPN, we decided we were basically going to treat life like I'm on tour. So we live in, two, my wife and I live in two different cities and we never had kids, but we have a multitude of dogs. And so after, you know, sort of having to be alone without the dogs in that situation for a long time, we made the decision late last year that it was, uh, we were at that spot where we were ready to bring on, I was ready to bring on uh, a, a puppy into life in Connecticut. So, the nice thing is that when I make the 15-hour drive for safety reasons from Connecticut to Nashville, uh, I've got a road trip buddy. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it's been incredibly bonding and, and uh, amazing. The only thing I would say is this. When I got her, you know, we're, we're very rescue-oriented, adopt-no-shop people. And so got her from the Humane Society, and she was super chill. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, wow, this is the chillest puppy ever. And then I take her for her checkup, find out she's got, like, all these parasites and everything. They got her fixed <laughs> up right away. Not chill at all. At this point, like, it doesn't matter how long you play with that dog. She turns around. She's like, oh, right, yeah, that's cool. That's a, that's a good start. Like, I could sit out there and throw the little chuck it thing for an hour, and she'd still be like, uh, you're going to tie her out before I do, and you've got a device helping you throw the ball. So she reminds me that I'm older than I think I am. Wow. Uh, we've got people on this show with uh, they love their dogs, and we actually we have a, gr- uh, a girl who comes on with us on Friday who got a brand new dog. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, and just completely gets the brand new puppy and disregards the other dog, like the other dog never even existed. Have you ever done that? Like you get the new dog, and the old dog is like, "Yeah, go in the corner. You, we've had enough with you." Yeah, well, I was lucky. The first dogs I got were sisters, so I got two dogs together. Ah. So I've always had multiple. But yes, my wife constantly points out to me that. Uh, when I come back to Nashville and I've got Annabelle with me and then, you know, there are two dogs here, she constantly points out that it is blatant and obvious which one my favorite is. So <laughs> I am definitely doing that as we speak. And like, I don't feel good about it, like, especially because Annabelle is, I mean, if she really tries to weigh in and, and tries to help her weight, she might be 30 pounds. And our biggest dog is 135 pounds of you know, pure oh, power, and so uh, the, the size difference, and they like, and she likes to play with him, and so the size difference between the two, and there's no doubt which side I take in the argument. As a former younger brother, <laughs> like, I, I know which side I'm taking in that argument constantly. So hold on, does your wife have to take the side of the other dogs when you're giving Annabelle too much attention? 
A thousand percent, yeah. And and, and has <laughs> that like that that tone that's like you know you both you know what you've done. Like there's that tone you get when it's like, uh huh. It, I get I get that a lot when it comes to uh, maybe maybe taking the wrong side of the the argument. But you know, I figure like she's she's a puppy. The other thing I have learned is that you know when I got my first dogs, I was so hard on them as puppies. Now I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, she's a puppy. She'll grow out of that. So I'm reminded constantly that I may have changed my standards over the the. Uh, over time, so you know, I think the ones that are here, are like, wait, 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 we didn't get away with that, and she does. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm older, wiser, and she's cuter. <laughs> would would you? This is look, it's a tough act to follow, no matter who's doing it. I don't know if you've seen him. Uh, would you take a shot like Aaron Rodgers and try to host Jeopardy? Oh God, no, no. So the the, the thing of it is. Um, you know, and Aaron was boring. We all know that. Come on, we can't find a better host than that. I continue my Aaron Rodgers thing. But, uh, but the thing that I can openly admit, like, it doesn't matter if the name is John Smith. When I see it on paper, I question whether or not it's John Smith or John Smite. Like, like pronunciation on every, like, I've been building a draft-based database for the last month. Now, I, I work a lot in college football. You guys know that. And, you know, uh, I, I am going to be hosting different uh, different draft shows on digital and radio for all three days. It'll be all over the place. I started a database specifically to give me pronunciation of the top 400 candidates. And it doesn't matter. Like, I have said Penny Sewell for years. And then I see it in writing, and I'm like, is that Penny Sewell? Or what Like, like, well, like what do we got there? I question everything. So his ability to pronounce, he's, he's, you know, he's as boring as watching paint dry, but his ability to actually <laughs> see a name and pronounce it, that, like his reading comprehension, much better than mine. Uh, just on that note, we had uh, UNLV's new assistant coach on the show this morning, and we mispronounced his name as Chapel when in fact it is Chappelle. So uh, we have failed in the name pronunciation as well. It happens to all of us, by the way. It's, it's brutal. Just, like, it's gotten to the point now that, you know, I'm lucky enough when I do certain shows like SportsCenter on Snapchat that there's, like, a team that pre-reads scripts to make sure everything's right, and they will put literally any word that looks like it could possibly give a child a problem. They'll spell it phonetically for me at this point. Like, that's just where we are. You know, I, I can speak, but uh, reading, reading basic things seems to be complicated for me. Are you, uh, are you locked in at 17 to an offensive tackle? Uh, no. I'm not. Uh, I think it's going to depend oh. on how the board falls. Um, look, I, I, there are there are great offensive tackles out there. I don't think the best of the best will fall to 17. And, you know, I, I was actually on a conference call with Michael Jr. and a, a few of the people I'm going to be working with. And the, the thing we keep saying is that the offensive linemen in this particular class, there are so many what's-your-favorite-flavor-of-ice-cream. And if ice cream is made well, if it's coached up well, it's going to be good. You know, so I, I think that there's an opportunity to get linemen later they can still come in and make a, a splash. It depends on how the, the board falls. I've been asked a lot about some of these corners or even like, uh, you know, Parsons, and not that I think Parsons has any chance of falling to 17. Like, I think everybody just needs to stop that madness. If he fell to 17, you, you know, if you've got somebody at that level, then you look at him. But I still think if one of the top-notch corners falls too, like there's there's a, an opportunity, even though it's a young secondary, and we all, we all know how this team is missed, you got to take the best player on the board, and the best player on the board at 17 truly might be a defensive player, and I, I have no problem with that. You know, I, I, I don't want the team to reach and take an offensive lineman just because an offensive lineman is a, a, an area of need when they might be able to get somebody in the second or third round that maybe isn't great in the beginning but can be great. All I heard from that, Jason, is that they're going to draft an offensive lineman that was projected in the fourth round in the first round. <laughs> 
oh, oh my God, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And then immediately, <laughs> Mike Dillard Jr. will snicker and laugh. And Field Yates will look over and say, man, I don't know why you do this to yourself. And that, that's what's going to happen in, in, in the immediate moment. And I will, like, I will hate text myself the things I would say to Mayock and Gruden if they were in the room, knowing full well that I would never have the guts to actually say that to them in the room. But I will hate text to myself so that I can at least get it out of my system. That's inevitable at 17. And, and by the way, the other thing, too, is like that's not going to happen at 17. They're going to trade up to 13 to do that. Like, that's the way <laughs> yes. And give up a second-round pick. Because because yeah. if you're the Raiders, even if it's an unfair trade, you always have to give picks back just to make the other guys feel good. Yeah, I mean, and, and the, the number of times we start every year by saying, now, what picks do we even have this year? Like, that's, that's an inevitability right here. So they're going to take somebody at 13 that isn't on my draft database of 400 players. <laughs> I'm going to mispronounce the name. Nobody's going to know where he's from, you know, and uh, it, it's just going to be a it's going to be a cluster. That we, that, I mean, I can guarantee you that. Like, that's just, that's a known entity. Uh, I will say uh, I, the one thing that I am very confident of for the Raiders is that I think in the second round, that's where they'll look to address the safety issue. I, I, to me, if you have any chance of a kid like Grant falling to you in the second round, I would not be surprised in all seriousness to see the Raiders be active with the picks that they have later in the draft to move up in the second round to get somebody that's fallen a little bit that they think can help them right away. Well, he is Jason Fitz. Jason, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, you, you guys are the best, and you know, no matter how it works out, the one thing we know is we'll drink our way through it. So, Appreciate you, guys. <laughs> See you, man. All right. Uh, we need a new Sharp. 702-364-1100 is the number. We have not had anybody go on no. a good streak I no. won yesterday. quite a while. What did you win yesterday? Oh, I, we ignored you. You didn't get to make a real it's pick. Not... No, we ignored you. You didn't what get to make a real pick. What are you talking about? The Bartlett's covered the first five. I don't even know if that's true, and I'm not looking up to see what the score was in the Marlins game after five innings. 702-364-1100 is the number. We need a new Sharp. This is your chance to call in. You give us a pick on any of the games that are going on today. You can pick Champions League Soccer if you want. You can pick the Golden Knights. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. 702-364-1100 is the number. Call in. You can be our Sharp. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Matt is our new sharp. Matt, what pick would you like to make for today's games? Uh, let's go with the Dodgers. All right. Are we, are we going to give him Dodgers just straight up to win, Ed? Should we do that? Yeah, uh, it's going to be a tough one. It, no, it's going to be a tough one tonight. Um, I don't know if they can get it done. <laughs> it's going to be a tough one tonight. Going against Gray, he's 1-0 with a 1.54. Now, we're, we're countering with May. It's Gray against May. Uh, so it's a tough one tonight. I think we just get him straight up. It's going to be a hard one to win. All right. Uh, Ed, the uh, ever-pessimistic Dodgers fan, has agreed <laughs> to this. All right. We've got you Dodgers just simply beating the Rockies, which seems way too easy, but that's okay. We want somebody to actually go on a streak. Matt, if the Dodgers win, we'll be talking to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Matt. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> I like how you, be hard. Talked, hard. you talked yourself into the Rockies being a tough matchup today. All because yeah, Absolutely. Johnny Gray's on the hill. He's pitched well Johnny, so far. Johnny Gray in his one yeah. start this year was Yes, good. one start, 1.54, 12, 12 strikeouts. Come on. This, uh -oh. guy's, this guy's solid. Is it a bad no. sign that I was like, Sonny Gray's off the I.L.? <laughs> <laughs>
like the Rockies pitchers should not even have their names on the back of their jerseys. It, I mean, it should, at the end fair. of the day, it, it should he, didn't get a he didn't get a decision. I don't know. I think he might have pitched when they were in Colorado, but he didn't get a decision. This, this is going to be a hard one, Tyler. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh they God. should just All have right. their ERA on the back of their <laughs> jersey. Is that what they should have? Instead of a number, you have to sew on your ERA every game? Yes. Well, you, you, just, to, uh, you, you just get LEDs so that, like, the pitching coach can update it from the uh, from, from the, the bullpen. Dugout? Okay, oh, I just gave up another home run. Let's bump that up to seven now. All right, um, Ooh, he's only been out there for uh, a third of an inning, so that's ninety nine point seven. All right. Can the can the LED board do infinity for when they don't get an out but give up a home run? Well, it's an LED board. I assume I'm, that. Okay, I'm just I'm just curious. I don't know how fancy this is, Jared. We're way, we're weighing the pitchers down. Trevor Bauer is not going to be happy about this. When he's got to wear LED lights out there. Um, no, I'm right. not happy about most things. Well, yeah, that's true too. Uh, so, do you believe? Man. Do either of you believe that Nevada is one of the five best states in the country? Um, Ed, you go first. Absolutely not. <laughs> I love Las Vegas more than any other town I've ever lived in in my entire life. Nevada as a state? If I could yeah. divorce Las Vegas from Nevada, I would. <laughs> so and take it uh, to the, I'd take Las Vegas to the strip club after the divorce. YouGov.com has a ranking of all the states, and the way they did this was they had people basically they pair they two put two head two states head to head, and you had to pick which one you thought was better. And they did this over and over, and each state had a winning percentage, and Nevada came in as the fourth most popular state, according to Americans. We are behind Hawaii, Colorado, and Virginia. So we're in the top five. Virginia. We're behind. The, the top two seem pretty obvious. I, does, do either of you know what's good about Virginia? Why would Virginia be three? Uh beautiful 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 state i don't i see here's the thing i don't know i mean these head-to-head -head matchups is this education is this medical is this you know uh no it's just it's just what, whatever what is this? it's just if it you sat down so it's, yeah so it's completely subjective so it, uh, yeah no yeah if you sat down and they just threw up minnesota versus ohio pick one and you just pick one and then they keep giving you more states against each other we must have got a really good seed yeah <laughs> We are like we we we've completely been overseeded here. We 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 <laughs> like I'd like to see like how we got to the tournament because I'm 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 seeing us beat I mean, like Mississippi and like I mean, Nebraska and then somehow we wound up against Wyoming. I mean, I'd have us in the four thirteen game and it wouldn't be four. So, um, <laughs> you know, I mean. Well, I, Here's here's we were what I'm a Cinderella, thinking. Ed. A Cinderella. Here's, here's what I'm thinking: is most people would view Nevada as, like, their second or third favorite state because of Las Vegas. Las Vegas, like, yeah, we're, yeah like, exactly, yeah. Is there is there anyone outside of the state of Nevada that, like, doesn't like the state of Nevada for some reason? Like, is there anything about the state that people wouldn't like? No, I because mean, if you like the strip in Vegas, you know, some might say, oh, the summer and the heat and everything, but if you're coming here and you already understand that, then you like Las Vegas and you don't care about other things. So no, outside the state, my guess is a lot more people like it than people in the state. Right. Whereas like, yeah. you know, yeah. I moved here from Mississippi. 
I don't like Mississippi or Alabama or Arkansas. Those are three of the five bottom states on this list here. And I completely understand why and why other people would never pick them. So I'm just, I'm just thinking Nevada has very few cons to people that don't live here. And the pros are, well, if you like the strip, awesome. And then for some people, if you like Lake Tahoe or whatever, also right. awesome. Like to me, I feel like the cons list is just so small that even if our pros list is only gambling, that, well, there's no cons, so why would I not like it? Of course I'm We have some of the best strippers in the world. So gambling <laughs> and strippers. Legalized prostitution. I'm with Jared on this. If you say Vegas is not included, like you start with Tahoe, uh, Northern Nevada, some of the places up there, then I'll put you in the 5-12 game, maybe give you the 5. But other than that, no. I Of the top yeah. four... Like, I'd go to the top three for yeah. sure. Yeah, and you made the opposite argument of Jared. Oh, then I'm opposite of Jared.